You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, dedicated to cultivating a just and generous expression of the Christian faith. So here we are, week one of Advent. Um, I don't think I've made it any... Uh, make it any plainer how much I love this season of the church calendar. And for those who came in late, uh, yes, this church practices, remembers, and stumbles through the seasons of the church calendar, uh, beginning today with the season of Advent. Why do we do this? Uh, Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, The first one is the church has historically used the calendar to rehearse the life of Jesus, who's the central figure of our faith, uh, and to walk through his anticipation, his birth, his incarnational ministry on earth, his death, resurrection, and ascension the whole entire story. And these are well-worn paths, trod by millions of other pilgrims along the way as they struggle, as we often do, with what a life of faith looks like. And Jesus is not only the centerpiece of our faith, the central figure, but the, the author of Hebrews 12 says he's the author and finisher of our faith. And I believe Jesus is the archetype, because all of us follow in these same rhythms of life. All of us are born, all of us wrestle with God here in our time on earth, and all of us will someday die. So in some sense, the story of of the church calendar is following the story of ordinary humanity through the life of Jesus. But more than that, we see the way Jesus understands the divine intertwined with the human, irrevocably connected. And so we practice this calendar year after year to remind ourselves that we evolve and we change and we grow. In some senses, the story doesn't stay the same because we see it differently every single time. We see it more deeply reflected in our life and in the way we love. We see Jesus revealing parts of himself to us, different parts. And we see new details. They stand out to us that we didn't notice time and time again as we reread them. And again, we're intrigued and amazed by the story. (laughs) Or at least that's what we hope. But let's take Advent, uh, for instance. Uh, The first year of of Forefront Brooklyn, I don't think many of you were actually here in the first year, but I think they almost lynched me because I took away Christmas carols. Uh, I actually didn't grow up with liturgy at all. Um, And so when I first started looking into this, the first thing that someone said was, Advent has a whole other canon of hymns. And so I took away Christmas carols. I think everyone was like, no, it's after Thanksgiving. We've got to sing Christmas carols for five weeks. Um, It was all awesome mutiny. So the second year, almost uh, as a way to kind of replace his Christmas carols, we wrote a bunch of our own Advent hymns. Uh, we took some of these beautiful old lyrics and wrote um, new tunes to them, like the one we just started with today. Uh, and in part, that was just to kind of find a deeper meaning to mine what Advent meant to us and how we were going to rework this season for ourselves. That year, we also talked through some characters that don't get talked about often in the Gospels, characters like Simon, all these old characters that were waiting at the temple and waiting for the Messiah to come. And then two years ago, in our third year as a church, things got real when in the week leading up to the first Sunday of Advent, Officer Wilson was not indicted for the death of Michael Brown of Ferguson, Missouri. And I still remember that Sunday. I remember Amy Leon leading us in a lament that seemed to come roaring through her own soul. And I remember how walls came down in our community between us as we collectively mourned that we were not living in a post-racial America and that we still had a long way to go as people of faith. So every year, uh, like an onion, another layer is pulled away and the voices of Isaiah the prophet and John the Baptist and all the outsiders from the wilderness seem to ring louder and more urgently for us to prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And every year the sigh of come Lord Jesus seems deeper in my soul and I hope it does in yours too. So Advent does its job on us. 
Advent is a word that simply means coming or a visit. And this is where time gets really wibbly-wobbly, as Doctor Who says, uh, because we remember Jesus' first coming to this earth, the first visit, and we walk through the gospel story, but then we anticipate a time when Jesus will again visit the earth. So for us, to live in Advent means to embrace the now and the not yet, the mystery that Christ came to the world and will come again, to know that joy is with you but more is coming, to breathe deep and know the peace within us is only part of the peace that is ahead of you, to be thankful for this day and for this present, but to lean forward in childlike hopefulness for what is yet to come. There is a longing to Advent. As one writer wrote, we still sorrow and we still sigh. We are not yet home. But it's a sorrow and a sighing that is in the key of peace, joy, hope, and love. So take a second and just check in with yourself. Maybe you want to close your eyes for a second. Take a breath. Ask yourself a series of questions. Is there a sense in which you feel closer than you did before? closer to what it is you hope for, closer to what it is you dream for? Do you feel closer to God, closer to self, closer to others? Today, do you have more peace, joy, hope and love than you did before? If you're having trouble locating that, just think about where you were this time last year. Conjure that up. Or maybe two years ago, or even back four years ago, when we first started here. Where were you? How does that compare to today? Put the two alongside in your brain. on the flip side, are you aware today of areas in your life where you still have an aching and a longing for Jesus to visit you in? In this Advent season, do you know your own need for a saviour? Are there still places you're waiting for Jesus to arrive? Breathe and step forward into the present. Okay, so today we're going to explore just one aspect of our Advent preparation. Uh, Our theme for this year's Advent is peace on earth. And so we're going to start as the hymn we sung just a few moments ago says with the phrase, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Because let's be honest, I think we all in this room agree on some level that war and conflict is a terrible thing. And we all hope that someday, somehow, that it won't be a thing anymore. But on Tuesday, 11.15 a.m., when that co-worker forgets to tell you about that meeting or that distant relative posts that misinformed article on social media or your significant other does something that really ticks you off, then your peace is easily shattered. And on some small level, this is where all the world wars begin in the petty brokenness of our own human hearts. So just one of the ways for me that I've been trying to work on peace this year is where I start to name and claim the pain that continues to exist in myself and in the world. And in Advent, we worship, we lament, and we protest, crying out, Come, Lord Jesus, and how long, O God? We dredge up this cry from the deepest, most broken, most needy part of ourselves. But just as Jonathan talked about last week, God doesn't leave us there. God doesn't leave us in in lament and leaving us with the weight of the world on our shoulders. It's not ours to bear. And it's not just a navel-gazing exercise either where we go inwards. 
but lament is an activating life force. I sometimes wonder if the cry that brought the earth into existence, the cry on the very uh, first verses of Genesis, the cry on the very lips of God, was a lament, a cry for more beauty, a cry for more communion, a cry for more companionship, a cry that brought us into being. And lament also draws a line between peacekeeping and peacemaking. So I know you guys just went through Thanksgiving. I don't know how those conversations went. I know we have an amazing friend here, Ashley, who put up a... um, put up an amazing Facebook group saying, uh, talking about allies for Christmas and how these conversations are often very, very difficult as we go home to where we're from and we see the differences sometimes in stark contrast. I don't know, my family is very guilty of peacekeeping. Peacekeeping leads us from looking at our pain and looking at the conflict and owning it. It leaves the the world as it is, broken and needy, and we live in denial, closing our eyes, shutting our ears, trying to wait out until it's over. Peacemaking, on the other hand, is painful, it's active, it's vital, it's bloody, it's full of lament. We stare full-faced into the darkness and beg that it doesn't have the last word. I love this quote about peacemaking. It's from a, uh, a resource called Feasting on the Word that we use from time to time. It says, Our peacemaking will, of necessity, criticize, denounce, advocate, and resist, as it will also proclaim, empower, console, reconcile, and heal. Peacemakers will speak against and speak for, tear down and build up, lament and celebrate, grieve and rejoice, until our longing joins our belonging in the consummation of all things in God. The work of just peacemaking will continue as the flicker of God's grace. I love that because I think it's a both and. I think that as we walk through this season of thanksgiving that we can't have our thankfulness without our lament either. We can't understand how blessed we are with realizing there's still more work to be done, that if uh, our brothers and our sisters are not free, that we are also not free. Peacemaking and lament is a huge part of us owning both parts of that. Lament purifies our anger, it purges our disappointment, and it pushes back our apathy. Lament draws our cries up to God's ears and demands answers. Lament tells the divine that our human vessels cannot hold all the pain and grief on our own. Lament makes our feet move even as the tears still fall, and lament keeps driving us towards a better world, even on the most discouraging days. So this morning I want to take a few moments as a community uh, for us to actively lament, not just to uh, hear about it in a sermon, but to experience it, to own it, and to be healed by it. Uh, I had this experience a couple of months ago. I totally stole everything we're doing this morning. It's not an original idea, uh, so you can't put that on me. Um, but two really good friends of mine, Gary and Lenora Rand from Chicago, uh, led this session at Open Faith, this conference uh, that we went to, that's the new network we're a part of. Um, and to me personally, uh, where I was at like a few months ago when I was really struggling with some huge health issues and anxiety and uh, a lot of grief in my world, this one practice, I think, made me realize just how much pain I hadn't been kind of facing on my own and how I was just, in the moment, I was truly devastated by it, but then actually put back together and then mobilized to move out into my, into my world and into, the, into my own pain, into the world's pain as well. So I will encourage you to participate this morning, even with your fears and misgivings, because um, as one author says, this is how hope gets its start. It emerges as a tiny tendril in an unexpected place. So, this is how we do it. There are four stations here uh, we can walk through and take our time. Uh, These four stations represent four different things that we can lament this morning. This first station here, as you see, uh, with water and candles, 
uh, is for refugees and for homeless and for displaced persons. There are 60 million refugees worldwide, thirsty for sanctuary, for refuge, unmoored and looking for a place to call home. And here in the US, there are also over 500,000, half a million homeless people on the streets sleeping every single night. As we lament, uh, our scripture for this is Psalm 69. It says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. I'm going to read, around, read a short liturgy, and if you guys will respond by saying, We cry, how long, O Lord? For refugees and exiles who have lost their homes, lost their lives, and who find closed doors, closed borders, and closed hearts everywhere they go, we cry, how long, O Lord? At this station, our simple action is to take one of these candles, to light it off the center candle, remembering those souls in Syria and other places who come across the waters looking for hope. Our second station, as you can see, uh, contains beautiful colours. As we remember that we are all children of God, we're all created in beautiful shapes and sizes. Uh, we also remember that there are many among, among us LGBTQ people that face incredible persecution. 81% of students who identify as LGBTQ were bullied in the last year based on their sexual orientation. And since 2007, reported homicides against the LGBT community have surged. LGBTQ people of color, transgender, and gender non-conforming people and youth are disproportionately targeted by the police and subjected to traumatizing forms of state violence. Our scripture of the limit this is from Lamentations 5.20. It says, why have you forgotten us completely? Why have you forsaken us these many days? We respond with, we cry, how long, O Lord? For those who live in fear, who face hatred, humiliation, and death just for being who they are, we cry, how long, O Lord? So you can take one of these little crosses, it's a little sticker, peel off the back. and just place it here on the cross so we can start to see the full body of Christ, all colors, shapes and, shapes and sizes. Our third station has a list of names which I uh, couldn't fit onto one page. There's one that breaks my heart. There'll be names that you, uh, you know, like Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Alton Sterling, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Philando Castile, and even just this week, James Means, a 15-year-old boy who was shot by a 62-year-old man just for brushing past him in the grocery store. Each of these people was a black man, woman or child who died at the hands of police, at the hands of civilians here in the States. And so far this year in America, 227 black Americans have been killed by police. The words of Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 31:15. this is what the Lord says, a voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. We respond with, we, respond with, we cry, how long, O Lord? For our country, torn apart by systems of injustice and unrelenting violence against black and brown bodies, we cry, 
how long, O oh Lord? You can just put your finger in here into this bowl of ashes, a symbol in the Bible of sackcloth and ashes, of mourning and weeping, and just mark on your hand or on your body a black cross. And this final station is personal lament. Uh, this is where you can bring your, your private griefs uh, to the table. This is just a series of questions that, we, that you ask yourself. Where are you bruised? Where are you broken? Where does it hurt? Where do you feel helpless? Where do you feel hopeless? Our scripture is Psalm 13 verse 1, which we sang just earlier. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You simply take one of these little candles, light it off the middle, and put it into the sand as you pray. You guys stand with me as we prepare our hearts to walk through the middle of these stations. How long, O Lord, will you forget us forever? How long will you hold your hand back from us? God, remember your people, remember your children, remember your promises of old. God, the world is still not as it ought to be. There are still people that are hungry, still those who lose their life at the hands of others, still wars, still conflict, still still things that separate us from our brothers and sisters, whether they be sexual identity or the color of our skin or our belief system or whatever it is that we hold so dear to ourselves. God, give us humility this morning in our lament to walk through these stations, to see the world's pain, to release it to you, to ask you, ask that you do only what you can do. God, all our hopes are in you, all our trust is in you. Come and make this world right. God, we lament, we mourn, we protest in the season of Advent. We wait for you to come. In Jesus' name we pray.